We're gonna talk about this week in wrestling Cause it was terrible unless it was great This is T-Bones Ladders and Podcast, it's TLP Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tables, Ladders, and Podcasts, the only podcast that's strong with the Force thing in Star Wars. This is episode 135. I am your host, as always, Point, and joining me on the panel to discuss the week in WWE, we have Wehrman. Bah humbug. And Jabba. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. How are you gentlemen doing today? On this fine Christmas Eve Eve. I would have been a lot better if I hadn't watched the Slammies. The same could be said for a lot of things. A lot of people out there are having that exact thought. I think people who maybe were riding quite high on their viewing enjoyment levels after watching Star Wars, if they then watched Raw after that, were then brought back crashing down to Earth, rather like... Adrian Neville, if gravity suddenly remembers him. So, Jabba, would you say that that your viewing pleasure came crashing down? Yes, and it does hurt inside. Okay, just checking. Um, so, uh, before we start discussing uh, Raw, including the Slammies, and uh, as well as the live Super Smackdown from yesterday, Mr. Wehrman, do you have any news to impart upon us? I have, I have a few... Uh, bits of news. First and foremost, Raw's ratings were down again this week, back down to a 2.33. In fairness, uh, this was the Slammies, which is always a terrible show. And it's Christmas week, so low ratings are kind of to be expected. Is that, um, really, is that really fair, though? Aren't people just at home more and not working around Christmas? Eh, I mean, There are a lot of people who are traveling around this time. Yeah, there's a lot of people who go on vacation. There are a lot of people who are out getting the last-minute shopping done or watching Christmas specials and things like that. And like I said, it's the Slammies, and the Slammies always sucks. And I suppose in your country, often people have further to travel to see their relatives at this wonderful festive time of year. Yeah, you know, like six, eight-hour flight across the country. Yeah, I can understand people not wanting to tune in for a three-hour Slammies spectacular when they've got relatives to be visiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, some other things. Uh, WWE has some new partial owners. An investment company called the Vanguard Group has bought nearly 4 million shares of WWE stock, uh, equaling to about 4.7% of the company. Hmm. So they're not principal owners? No. Partial but they are owners. Partial owners, yes. Hmm. Is, are these the first non- McMahon partial owners or are there other shareholders? I'm sure there are other shareholders that have, you know, significant chunks of the company like that. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, let's okay. see. Any, uh, another bit which uh, kind of segues into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, in a recent backstage sketch with ba- uh, Zack Ryder, Stardust gave his official rankings for Star Wars Episode Seven. In a shocking and controversial move, Stardust ra- uh, ranked The Force Awakens at the very top of the list, above even Empire Strikes Back. Uh, according to Stardust, the list goes as follows. Um, Force Awakens at the top, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, New Hope, 
Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. Kind of surprised that New Hope is that far down the list. Yeah, I don't think I would have put any of the prequels above the bottom three, to be fair. And I think I would have had Attack of the Clones as rock bottom, certainly. I really didn't like that one. It's it's a tough call between one and two as the very worst, but... Was Attack of I, the Clones the one that had the awful dialogue between An- between Anakin and Padme? Yes. Yes. Okay. A terrible, unbelievable love story. Yeah, I'm seeing this meme now uh, on Twitter of Emo, Kylo, Ren, and... You know, he really doesn't have anything on Anakin. Yeah, he didn't say that someone wasn't like sand, and that's why he loves them. So it was a big step up from Anakin's courting techniques, shall we say. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what else you got, Worman? Well, the last bit of news um, is something I think is uh, kind of uh, interesting, possibly inflammatory, uh, and possibly and possibly completely untrue. Yes, in a uh, recent AMA with Reddit, former WWE wrestler Gabe Tuft, a.k.a. Tyler Rex, leveled accusations at John Cena for attempting to bury Alex Riley. Uh, Incidents include repeatedly singling Riley out and berating him in front of the rest of the locker room, uh, going through his bag and accusing him of substance abuse for using pre-workout vitamins, uh, instructing Riley to act in certain ways before a match, only to claim he was disobeying him afterwards. Uh, basically, it was like, go out there and do this and do this and do this, and then when he did it, he would grab Riley, drag him out in front of everybody, like, what the hell were you doing this, this, and this for? Um, and Rex uh, believes that it was all in an attempt to try and get Riley fired. Uh, the exact motivation for this may um, is unspecified, but the incidents Rex lists all occurred shortly after Riley's break from The Miz, which had a huge spike in his popularity. It should be noted again, however, this is all hearsay. Neither Cena nor Riley have responded to these accusations. If they're true, though, Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that really does shatter Cena's image of being an actually good person. Like, he sounds like a complete bastard right Yeah, now. I think we would have to learn more about it. That that would seem like an odd target if you're going to pick on somebody. Well, again, this was like 2010 or so. Like, Riley blew up pretty huge when he split from The Miz. Yeah, but this pretty huge... For a month. Yeah, a month where he repeatedly lost and was made to look terrible on TV. Just like Kevin Owens. Just and, and the one one thing that struck me about that story, what was the what was Tyler Rex's real name? Did you say Gabe Tuft? Yes, Gabe Tuft. That's quite a cool name. I don't know why they changed that. I don't know. Is the, the same reason why they don't have Ron Killings on the show? Yeah, that's an amazing name. That's so much better than our truth. What else have we got? Any other news um, nuggets? I have, I have a little nugget of, um, of my own. Um, the reason that, uh, presumably, that Titus O'Neil has been appearing alone for the past while is because Darren Young has been out with a quad injury. Uh, he is, however, still touring with WWE doing media appearances with Titus O'Neil. Ah, that would make sense then. He has been in a few backstage bits, hasn't he? Yes, so, so like he's still around uh, as part of the primetime players, just not, not wrestling at the moment. 
makes sense. It's, it's odd that it's gone unreported this long, though. Yeah. Did it did it coincide with them kind of being shunted out of the tech division for a while? Anyway. Um. Let's see. Uh. So the report that I read said that the last time he wrestled was August. When did they lose the titles? I'm sure it was a bit before that. So okay. It's been a good few months now, hasn't it? Anything else? That's all um, I have. Let's see. I think that may be it. Other than other than just the continued rumors of a uh, of a WrestleMania match potentially between Stephen Amell and Stardust. Okay, then. So we haven't got anything really juicy and newsworthy like maybe Byron Sexton rates all the Harry Potter movies, anything like that. I would so watch that. Oh, oh, uh, I did see one rather amazing thing. Uh, you know of Michael Cole's regular uh, interviews on WWE.com, yes? Yes. So he did one uh, either today or yesterday, I believe it was, with Heath Slater, because Mr. Slater uh, was uh, uh, came in at number eight in the Superstar of the Year voting. You have to wonder who finished below him. <laughs> And how well, they most feel of the that. roster, for one. Yeah. Yeah, but who specifically should feel really bad about that? Are they just not going to tell them if they finish below Slater? I don't know, but um, but like uh, it, it, it was a it was a mildly awkward interview because like for the first couple of minutes, Slater like assumes he's like on that uh that prank show as it swerved on WW.com. On that subject, I have seen uh, Slater has more or less confirmed that Swerved is getting a second season. Yes. So there is a, one other bit of news. So, well, yeah. I think we've finished off all the, the little ornaments on our Christmas tree of wrestling goodness this week, so now we should move on to the presents under the tree, shall we? And, of course, Raw is was nothing... Is it possible to strain this analogy any further? Yes, I would say. But I'm not okay. going to try right now. So, the largest present of them all, of course, the gift that keeps on giving, Roman Reigns. Not only is he the champion now, but he's also reverted back to his ways of being this kind of really, what would you call, wise-cracking, rebellious prankster type that we hated so much. Were they trying to make him Bugs Bunny? <sighs> it was so bad. I, I feel I feel like the I feel like that said uh, said character is not as bad as it previously was. It's still it's still excruciating. They are pulling out all the stops to get Roman Reigns over, though, aren't they? He, he beat up he beat up Triple H. He punched Vince McMahon in the face, and now Stephanie McMahon is destroying all her vocal cords to display more anger than she ever has in his direction, in the hopes that that will. Garner a positive reaction for him. They're, they're really going all out. It's so bad. I don't understand why... Okay, they they absolutely ruined Roman Reigns when he came back last year and had to spend the entire, the entire length of 2015 rebuilding him to the point where we would accept him again. And now we just reverted back to the same version of him that we absolutely hated to begin with. Just as soon as we've finally gotten a version of Roman Reigns that we like, we just immediately undo it. 
if you if you really are dead set on having a character, a, a good guy in the main event, who is always being really cheeky to the authority figures and being rebellious and making jokes, you have Dean Ambrose right there. Yeah. Why are they trying to shoehorn Roman Reigns into this role that doesn't suit him at all? When well, we know just, that. Just two he's weeks large. ago. We know that. He's large and he's related to The Rock. Two That's weeks it. ago, they, they had him in a role that worked. So I don't know what went horribly wrong. Maybe Vince McMahon took a couple of weeks off and wasn't writing terrible jokes for him. <sighs> Who knows? But it's not very entertaining, is it? It's agony. Mr. Point, do you feel agony when Roman Reigns cracks jokes? Um, no. Mild discomfort, at least. At worst, like I'm, I'm not as negative as you guys. Sorry. You don't say. <laughs> That's kind of your thing. <laughs> Come on, keep... guys! Power of positivity. You bring balance to the force and keep us sane. I think. So, are you guys Sith or something like that? No, I'm. I I'm I'm a uh, Kylo smashing shit with my lightsaber every time something goes wrong. Okay, okay, we should not delve any more into this movie. I think. So that's not really a spoiler. That's just a behavior quirk. Oh come on, Kofi hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, you got to be fair to Kofi now. You know he's an avid viewer of TLP. You have you have until next week. And if you haven't seen it by next week. I am the very first thing that comes out of my mouth will be the biggest spoiler in the movie. No. You have been warned. Don't do that. You have two weeks to go to a movie theater and go Stop see it. a movie. See Stop a it. good movie. So maybe well, some people st- are waiting for it to come out on DVD and Blu-ray. No, those people are wrong. Worman, do not say things that will in any way dissuade people from watching the podcast. You tell him this now. Like 135 episodes in. This is episode... Uh, we are more than that in. Are we? I'm sure this yes. is 135. It is 135, you're correct. Yes. So. Um, actually, uh, if we may rewind, I actually remembered a news item. Oh, did you? I did. In that news vault of yours. Yes, I'm opening up the vault, guys. So in a recent interview, uh, Xavier Woods was uh, was talking about various things, including his Up, Up, Down, Down channel. Um, and uh, he talked about a thing that Stone Cold Steve Austin said, where if you're not in this business to, uh, uh, to become world champion, you're in the wrong business. And uh, Xavier said that his goal is not to become world champion himself, but to make Kofi world champion. Interesting. If there's, I, a guy, I, if there's a guy that could make Kofi world champion, it would probably be him. I uh, would honestly say Big E probably has the better chance. If only just because, just because that's how WWE works. They always like the big heavyweight guy. Kofi's a bit older than them as well, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I, I think he is older. But my concern here is that Xavier Woods expressing any desire whatsoever for someone else to be champion could could, could like invince logic, make him just like completely depush and never do anything ever. It depends. How uh, how do they feel about Xavier Woods behind the scenes? I have no idea, actually. Do they know he exists behind the scenes? 
Uh, they do. Um, in fact, I, I, um, I, I can't find the article right now because I have like a hundred tabs open. But um, I, I believe that the same article said that Stephanie and Triple H will, will be appearing in a upcoming episode of Up Up Down Down. Uh, I, oddly enough, I would be interested in watching that just to see how awkward they can be. Yeah, I can't imagine them acting like real people. I mean, they do have children, so maybe they're somewhat familiar with modern technology oh, wait, wait. and games. And... So, sorry, I, I seem to be uh, incorrect. It's not Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, but Triple H and Vince McMahon. Oh, no. Uh, that is far worse. Oh, far no. <laughs> oh, I have to watch that. How many jokes do you think during the course of that episode will fly over Vince's head? Uh, I don't actually know if it's going to be a single episode or two different episodes for that. Well, I think we're going to have to tune in for that. So, on our talking points again, the League of Nations, they were riding high, almost. I mean, they were being beaten up every week horribly, but they did actually have a giant belt that they could hold up and say, look, we have the world champion in our little group. Now they don't, and they're celebrating wildly over really, really minor successes, like beating up an Uso, for example, or a Dean Ambrose. But they, they haven't really focused their sights on getting that world championship back. It's generally been Roman instigating the aggression against them. Well, well let's him. be fair. Let's be fair. No, no. It's the League of Nations instigating violence against the Usos, and then Roman Reigns beats up the League of Nations afterwards. Yeah, but I, I don't get the impression that they care that much about the world title anymore. They look so happy not having it. <laughs> to be fair, like if I was Seamus right now and realizing, like, hey, I don't have to go out here and get my ass kicked every week to make this idiot look good, I would be pretty happy. I'd be like, no thanks, guys. I'm perfectly okay beating up an Uso so I don't have to get bitched out by Bugs Bunny over here. But don't you just feel like Seamus probably should have opened the Raw immediately after losing the title and sworn like, bloody vengeance against Roman Reigns? Would that See, not have made some sense for him? He, he could have done that, but I think if that happened, we would be sitting here complaining that we just got the exact same promo that we were expecting to get. So just because something's expected doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, though. I think I would still be opposed to it just because it would be more of, like, several more weeks of Roman Reigns just beating the shit out of Sheamus until he beats him again. And I don't care about these tensionless storylines where nothing is gained and nobody looks good. Well, I'm quietly confident that the main event scene will actually be improved with Seamus out of it, just from his standpoint. How would you feel if you were on top of the world, you were the world champion, and then suddenly it's almost forgotten? I don't think it was even mentioned, really, as him being a, a guy who was world champion just a week ago on the show. It's like it was just glossed over. I'd be disappointed if I was him. Yeah. So... Speaking of a champion who could be about to lose his title and join Sheamus in the ranks of former title holder... Could be. Del Rio could have been stirred by the announcement that John Cena's comeback is imminent, and the very first image we saw of John Cena's face was right next to Del Rio's. 
that is that is an image that would haunt anyone. That's okay. gotta be like that's gotta be like watching the tape from the ring. Okay, so I am so I'm just going to predict right now. John Cena does not walk out of Raw next week as U.S. champion. Are you also going to predict that there is at least one, <clears throat> at least one shenanigan attached to that? Uh, I'm going to guess more than one. Yeah, I would. I would not be surprised if Del Rio either does like an intentional countout, or the League of Nations runs in and causes a DQ. But there, uh, there's no way that it doesn't end with Cena AAing every single person on the roster, basically. Has he ever AA'd that many nationalities in one segment? That's Probably not. Interesting thing for one of you but, guys to research for next week. Yeah. Seriously, okay. how hilarious how hilarious would it be though if Del Rio absolutely like Brock Lesnar's Cena. Like the entire match just trucks him and makes Cena tap out in like two minutes. Uh, that could be a thing. That could be a thing. I mean, it ob- obviously, there's absolutely no way it'll ever happen, but because, as we've demonstrated during the news, Cena can't abide the idea of people being popular that aren't him. How about if you just have Del Rio and the League of Nations beating John Cena with chairs for, like, 25 solid minutes and see what that does for the ratings? See if people actually call their friends or Facebook message their friends and say, hey, guys, you got to... Turn to Raw right now. Check this out. And it's just choo, choo, onto John Cena for 25 minutes. Okay, just as so an experiment. What would you guys... <clears throat> okay, so uh, people um, will often on the internet say that they don't want John Cena to become world champion again because, it will t- because they don't want him to tie Ric Flair's record of 16. Now, how would you guys feel about John Cena tying Ric Flair's U.S. championship uh, title reign count of six? They don't really bring that up when talking about Flair. It's only when Cena wins the championship they really mention that he's got that record as well, or got that coming up. So I don't think that would really harm Flair's legacy if he loses that one to Cena. Okay. I think at least it, until at least until he takes the Divas title away from Charlotte. That would hurt Ric Flair significantly more than his United States Championship record, I think. Also, fun fact from Wikipedia, the shortest uh, championship reign for the U.S. title was by stunning Steve Austin, who held the title for approximately five minutes. Well then. Well, they really got the best out of him, didn't they? Apparently. So, Stephanie McMahon. I seem to recall a while ago there was a story involving Stephanie and the Bellas in which each side were arrested for assaulting each other at various points. Now, Stephanie committed numerous acts of assault, at least one of which was completely unprovoked, on a on a non-athlete backstage, are there going to be any repercussions for that? Do you think? No. I if there is one thing that I will never forgive in the way WWE is booked right now is that Stephanie McMahon gets to act with complete impunity no matter what she does. 
there are no consequences ever. Vince gets to be a horrible, horrible person, but then he will get the living shit beaten out of him to get somebody over. Triple H gets to be this power-mongering, you know, self-proclaimed warrior god, but he always will end up losing in the end. Stephanie says and does horrible things, emasculates people, smacks people in the face, makes fun of Paul Heyman's children, all this horrible shit, and nothing bad ever happens to her. She never gets her comeuppance. She always gets away scot-free because she's Stephanie McMahon. She's the only person in WWE who's allowed to be the strong, independent woman. The closest thing she ever had to a comeuppance was being pushed into that, what was it, chocolate or something by Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. I mean, you would think, okay, at WrestleMania, <laughs> when, okay, when Stephanie got in The Rock's face, and was like, you can't do anything, you can't hit me, because I'm a woman, burr, 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 burr. And then he went and got Ronda Rousey. Rousey would beat her up, right? But no, she goes after Triple H. It's bullshit. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. Wehrman wants to see Stephanie McMahon beaten senseless on a, an episode now, of WWE programming. Now, let's be fair. She was sprayed with milk 15 years ago. Oh, whatever. I don't, okay, I don't want to see, I don't want to see someone get legitimately hurt, no. But if you're going to have a villain, the villain needs to get their comeuppance. Eventually, and not in a, a really minor <clears throat> fashion. Right. That's completely out of balance with everything that she did that was terrible in the first place. Like all those years it, of abuse pushed into some pudding or whatever it was. Yeah, that that's about even, I would say. It would be interesting if there was a storyline wherein Tom Phillips sues Stephanie McMahon. That would be good. That would build him a bit of a character as well. Mm -hmm. if, he, if he became this interviewer who would like get in people's faces backstage because he'll just sue them if they touch him. And he asks really, really hard-hitting... Provo yeah, provocative questions. That would be interesting, which is what... That would. It won't happen. Like, if they even approach anything like that... It'll just be Tom Phillips gets beaten up by everyone who, uh, everyone he approaches, because why? Why are we booking a storyline for Tom Phillips? Because, because no one else will. Damn it! <laughs> That's a fair point. So, speaking of people getting their comeuppance, the Wyatts against the Dudley clan plus friends. Are the Wyatts cursed to forever defeat the Dudleys? At least the Wyatts are winning, you know? I mean, that's the one, the one like, silver lining about this is the Wyatts are winning matches against... I feel like there are diminishing returns of how much this benefits the Wyatts. Yeah. I mean, okay, beating the ECW guys in an Extreme Rules match in the hometown of ECW should have been the end of it, because that's about as good as it's ever going to get. Now they're just kind of holding holding their place until someone important comes back to beat them up. Well, until they, John, until Cena is done making sure Del Rio has no career, then he'll go back to making sure Bray Wyatt doesn't have a future either. Well, they used a brimstone to evolve their rhino into a cane, and that didn't help them at all, by the looks of it. So what can they, <laughs> what can they add to the equation next? It wasn't very effective. Well, it certainly they, wasn't. 
Well, what did they, what did they give to Tommy Dreamer to evolve him into Ryback? Steroids. Yeah. And I was well, gonna say airbrushing, but okay. Tommy Dreamer will eat anything. It's not that it's not that big of a leap from him to Ryback based on that alone. I suppose. So, yeah, so we're sick of the Dudleys losing to the Wyatts, but on the other hand, it's kind of better than them just trading wins back and forth, which is what the feuds normally devolve into. Yeah, at the very least, this is a feud where there is a clear winner and a clear loser. It's just, we already have the clear winner and clear loser, now let's let's make something of that. Let's roll with it. Build on that. Make the Dudley... Either make the Dudleys more motivated to get their mojo back, or have the Wyatts go, hey, we've beaten the toughest people on the roster, no one can stop us now, ha ha ha. They're dragging it out for a long time, but hopefully whatever they're dragging it out to to hold off on whatever they were planning until a couple of weeks down the line, hopefully that's coming very soon, and that we won't have to put up with this for much longer. Because you know they like to not progress things. They've got something lined up, hopefully, for the Wyatts, but it's not time for that yet, so they'll just keep repeating their last action over and over again until yeah. that moment arrives, is what I'm guessing. Who, who, is, who is there for the Wyatts to work with, though? The I mean... Yeah, okay, there's the Rumble, but they're not going to win it. You know they're not going to win it. I don't know. Who do you think? Well, who do you think will win the rumble if not Bray Wyatt? Cena. Maybe Lesnar. Either Cena or Lesnar. I mean, if you have so if you have Cena or Lesnar winning the winning the rumble, then you either have to take the title off of Reigns or turn Reigns heel. No, I mean. Well, you logically. Logically, yeah, but I mean they've done face versus face matches at WrestleMania before. Quite a few times, actually. By the way, we've had a comment from Owen Brown who says, didn't Jern already AA the entire roster before? Yep. Well, Uh, half the roster. The other half got RKO'd. I suppose it depends how many nationalities were represented in that half of the roster that he actually AA'd, though, so someone would have to go back and watch it and get back to us on that. It is a fun match to watch, though. No, it's not. Oh, shut up. No, it's not It's not fun watching what do you mean? overpaid clowns destroy, like, 30 careers in one go. I really enjoy that spot where uh, where Cena has someone up for the AA and Orton is like, nope, RKO instead. Sorry. Anyways. Anyway. Um, so, we have more talking points. Here's quite a juicy one. So... The Cosmic Wasteland, have they been a thing on SmackDown for a few weeks now? Because I haven't watched SmackDown for a while. Uh, I, too, have not watched SmackDown for about a month or so. Okay, so if they are, I may have to start at least watching those segments. Because when they were revealed as the culprits of the Christmas party destruction and the way they were laughing about it, that's what their characters should be. They should be doing that more. So, Just, just, just random acts of villainy? Yeah, and then just standing around at the scene of the crime, just like cackling about it until yeah, someone comes along. The Cosmic Wasteland are like if the Wyatts could afford to lose all the time. <laughs> like, Stardust is weird enough and interesting enough that he can he can survive getting buried. 
the Ascension are the Ascension. They're, they were never going anywhere anyway. Um, so, yeah, you can have them lose all the time. But put them all together, and it is just weirdly fascinating. Like, I want... I want them to be more important on the show than just the guys who get beaten by Neville and Titus O'Neil all the time. Yeah, it's a start. The character potential is there, and it can be entertaining. It's just whether they'll actually put that into the, a spotlight or whether they'll just keep it as a SmackDown-only thing. And then on Raw, they'll just occasionally have a match with no entrances, and they'll just lose without saying a word. And then occasionally you'll have Stardust backstage being interrupted in his little cosmic region, just south of the Yambag region. Somewhere in the fifth dimension, right? Yes. So, now, obviously Roman Reigns winning the title on Raw was unexpected. But it was, it was, what was actually unexpected was the fact that a match had lasting consequences on Monday Night Raw. Right, but, because generally when we have a title match on, on TV, the title does not change hands. Yes, and even when there's a stipulation like if so-and-so loses, they'll be fired, then they may not technically win, but maybe there'll be some kind of weird result like a DQ or a count-out or something, so they can get out of having to apply any of the consequences that were stipulated. They mm -hmm. do that a lot. So has that shock title change given us more faith going forward in matches on Raw? Has it given us more interest in them? Or do we still really. feel the same way? So no, I I I mean, I suppose that 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 like made me initially uh, look forward to the uh, the uh, the title matches on SmackDown yesterday, until I realized that neither of those titles are probably going anywhere for until um for the next uh, few weeks at the at the shortest. Because the New Day are not losing the tag titles to the Lucha Dragons. If they're losing them, it's to the Usos. Yeah, unless they yeah. really think that the Callisto spot off the ladder is the the moment that he needed to get over with the crowd. I would say, I okay, the defining moment of Callisto was that Salida del Sol off the ladder, which was amazing. The defining moment of Sin Cara was on SmackDown when he tried to dive through the ropes, didn't clear them, and fell flat on his face. That is, oh, come on. That, he totally that, impacted with, like, Kofi's knee or something. That is the Lucha Dragons in a nutshell. Kalisto is amazing. Sin Cara always eats shit. If the diving headbutt to someone's knee could be a, a move that has any potential, I would be very surprised, Point. Also, also, cause, also called a codebreaker countering a diving headbutt. Although that move was actually innovated by Scott Steiner and his diving headbutt to the knee of Test that one time <laughs> from the apron. That's a, a Botchamania classic, that one. Yep, lovely. So that was, so, that was another move that uh, Steiner can pretend he invented along with the Hurricane Rana. So, really, it's not changed a thing. We just see that as a one-off and we're not buying that there could be more unpredictability in the future. Yeah. Um, when was the last time that we had the uh, the world title like change hands on, on on TV? The time that Cena beat Rey Mysterio after winning a tournament. Right, that. Because, okay. 
And then that didn't really have any consequences because CM Punk came out right after. Yes. Yeah. And the whole booking of that tournament, that whole incident was very strange anyway. The way Rey Mysterio was treated and then Cena was celebrating wildly like he'd accomplished some huge feat even though Rey Mysterio was beaten and tired from earlier. Yeah, God, what an asshole. Just... That, that still makes me mad. Still to this day. So, moving on to our next talking point. Now, cage matches. The main criticizer, shall we say, of cage matches is not here this week. But one of the issues with the escape the cage rule arose, shall we say, because Dean Ambrose won the match against... Seamus, via unconsciousness. Yeah, when those two guys were hanging outside the cage and they were punching each other, it's like, you know, one of you can just fall and win the match, right? That's uh, WWE-style cage matches are always so goofy like that. Like, in order for the tension to work, somebody has to forget how to climb halfway through climbing... Or suddenly, like, as they're trying to get through the cage door, they're suddenly trapped in molasses. It's like in WWF No Mercy when you're, when you're climbing a ladder, and then if, you, if, if you're hitting the button to climb the, t- to climb the ladder and win the match, you move slower than if you hit the button to climb the ladder and jump off it. Yeah. It's just so... It's so obviously fake. I mean, I know... I know it's wrestling, and all wrestling is fake, but there it's one of those words like you have to forget how the human body works in order for that to make any sense. Yeah, any, mm-hmm. ki- any kind of fiction, you want it to be believable. You don't have to think it's real. It just has to look as though it's real and be presented in a way that someone could say, yeah, I could see that being real. But the whole the really slowly climbing up ladders and... Just all the rules of cage matches with the doors not being locked and all that. Mm-hmm. Although, should should we take solace in the uh, the in the fact that the uh, the cage door didn't really come into play very much since the League of Nations prevented Ambrose from escaping that way? The only solace I take in that cage match was Roman Reigns' magical chair throw. That was a ama- that was highlight of the year for me. That should have that, that, that was pretty up. awesome. That should have beaten the Selena Del Sol off the ladder. Like, the chair lands, and Seamus and Ambrose are just, like, staring at it. <laughs> what it actually seemed like, you know how they'll have those, like, trick videos on YouTube where someone will pull off some amazing feat, and it turns out they actually filmed it in reverse, like diving yes. into car windows and things like that. That's what it looked like. It looked like they had a chair in the ring, and they used, like, a string to just whoosh, whip it out of the ring and then played it backwards. It's quite amazing. Uh, 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 it, it is, by the way, uh, if you watch a GIF of it, uh, of that, uh, of that happening in reverse, it is similarly amazing. It's like one of those times when you're just rolling a big pile of dice and one of them just lands perfectly on its side. Mm-hmm. Not very often, but from time to time it will happen and everyone will be amazed and they'll think some kind of miracle is going on. So, and then you realize that it really just landed between, like, in the crevice between pieces of terrain. Yes. Always in the crevice with you, isn't it, Point? So, moving on. The SmackDown main event. 
With it being so close to Christmas, you would think, oh, God, what are they going to do? Is it going to be Ziggler versus somebody in a, a, a Santa's workshop street fight or something? Mi- miracle really on 34th Street fight, I believe, is the tradition. Yes, and then it's always really bad. People, There's comedy moments where people get a, a present put over their head. But mm-hmm. this one, this triple threat match, that actually surpassed all the previous silly Christmas shenanigan matches. Yes. So so because it was a triple threat, it was no DQ, which means they used like the presents and Christmas trees and whatnot as weapons, but they didn't like play up the street fightness of it. Like they didn't like bring in weapons from from like under the ring or anything. They just used those Christmas decorations as weapons and that was it. That was the only like DQ ish part of the match. Yeah, there was no like Christmas decorated trash can with like a a kendo stick made to look like a, a candy cane or anything like that. It was Correct. when they were using the presents and the trees to fight with, they were doing it quite sensibly, oddly yeah. enough. There wasn't lots of funny business going on. It wasn't like ha ha he got hit with a present. It was ow, that looks like it hurts. Although I am going to dip into the commentary line for just a moment because I have to share something that, that, that just fits segs so perfectly off of that. It's like the presents, like people had had like been going through them. Like you could see that like the presents were empty. Like um, Dean Ambrose picks up a present that has a big hole in it. You can see it's empty, and he throws it at Ziggler, who sells it like he's just been like hit by a thrown steel chair or something. <laughs> and Michael, Michael Cole says with no sarcasm, "The dreaded empty box." Well, to be fair, I'm sure Ziggler would sell just an old lady bumping into him on a bus like a steel chair shot. Fair enough. On the subject of grievous head wounds, though, um, Dean Ambrose almost straight up died in that match. Yeah. Just decides, like, I love on, like, random episodes of SmackDown when people are like, you know what? Nobody's watching, so fuck it. Let's just pretend we're all Japan in the early 90s and start throwing out horrifying brain-busting moves like that nasty T-bone suplex that uh, Owens did or I think last year or 2013 when like there was like a solid month where Cesaro was just like alright I'm just going to start throwing around burning hammers just for the lulls yeah I'm not sure what exactly went wrong with that move but looking at it scientifically it appeared as though for some reason Dean Ambrose's legs went through far too much motion they went up much higher than they were meant to for that move, so his body just ended up rotating too much. It also did look like Ambrose was able to mostly break his fall with his arms. Yeah, but breaking your fall when the next thing coming down is your head isn't that effective if you're only using your hands. That's why I said mostly. Yes, I'm sure that was probably the difference between him being able to wrestle again next week and him being in a wheelchair. Help being able to continue the match... Yeah. He took a zigzag after that. Uh, I would imagine... Uh, pretty impressive for somebody who I'm pretty sure was clinically dead. If anyone could survive clinical death other than The Undertaker, I'm sure it would be Dean Ambrose. He's probably too crazy to realize that he's actually died during a match. He would at least finish it and get backstage and have a, a crazy interview before you actually notice that rigor mortis is setting in. <laughs> You know, Something I want to see that now. Like, I, as, you want to see I, Dean Ambrose in his post-death interview? 
Yeah, I want to see Danny Ambrose not realize that he's dead. Like, I want to see, like, he's got, like, like a piece of the barricade, like, lodged in his cranium or, like, something like that. And he's just talking to Renee like nothing happened. So you want the zombie back, is what you're saying? As long as the zombie is Dean Ambrose. All right, then. And this first match isn't against the Sandman. Okay. I can get behind that. So now, I think we've put it off long enough. The Slammy Awards. No, hold on, hold on. Before we do Slammies, I think it's time for crowd lines and commentary. Well, if you want to delve into your pool of crowd lines and commentary, Mr. Boyd, because I didn't harvest any this week. I just thought all oh. the commentary was really, really dull. Well, I, I do have a couple. Um, there was uh, the line uh, Michael Cole said on Raw, like the Force thing in Star Wars. Yeah, there was that one. Way to, way to be on the cusp of popular culture there. So he's got someone who's here saying, whatever you do, make sure you mention Star Wars at some point tonight. And then he saw his opportunity. He just didn't quite know how to connect all the dots up with his reference, unfortunately. Like, yeah, I have a passing familiarity with the most popular franchise in entertainment history. It is a very Michael Cole thing to do, because when JBL references something, it's usually fairly obscure. Even if he gets it wrong, you can forgive him a little bit. But with Michael Cole, it's always, this is the big popular thing, and I should know about it if I'm a human who hasn't been living under a rock. But I'm still going to get it wrong. Um, let's see. I have... I'm, so everything I have this week is from, is from Michael Cole. I already did the empty box one. Um, also on SmackDown during the main event. Uh, Kevin Owens was going uh, was setting up for a power bomb uh, next to the apron, uh, you know that apron power bomb that, that you know he's killed a couple people with practically on NXT. Um, and Michael Cole says, "Was Kevin Owens going for a power bomb outside the ring? You know, as if he's you know never seen Kevin Owens in NXT before. Maybe he hasn't. Which well, no. Well, first off, he probably should have." Especially g given the multiple like interviews he's done with Kevin Owens, he should have yes. Whether he has or not is another matter. It depends oh, how seriously Michael you take Cole his all correspondent credentials. Michael Cole has done interviews with Kevin Owens down in NXT. Do you think he remembers that though? I mean, let's you know remember that Michael Cole is basically a protocol droid whose memory gets wiped every month. I haven't heard that before, but that that does sound about right, actually, doesn't it? Sort of like a silver golem whose mind is encased in metal, so it can only hold so much. Sure, let's go with that. Even more obscure reference there. Okay. So I think they're both a step up from him being replaced with a fish tank, though. Mm, I, still, I would still go with the fish tank. I don't know. I think Michael Cole's silver golem has a nice ring to it. I think Michael Cole's memory is fairly similar to a goldfish, so it depends how many goldfish you have inside the fish tank in a, a kind of collaborative effort. Well, so, so, so like the the goldfish memories are like connected in serial or something. Yes. We have like a distributed computing network in a fish tank. Can we do yes. that? Can we replace the commentary team with? Goldfish that have a hive mind. Goldfish Borg. Yes. I'm surprised. They slowly but surely not only take over WWE, but like then they branch out and start taking over the entire world. And within the year, humanity is 
<clears throat> subjected to the Goldfish Collective. I'm surprised that one of the silly wrestling companies out there like your Shikaras and so forth haven't had a stable or at least a tag team of wrestlers that are Goldfish. So, like, halfway through the match, they'll completely forget everything they ever knew. Like, every few minutes, their memory's just completely gone, and they have to start again. I'd watch it. That seems like something they would do. You already watched Chikara. Yeah, I know. That's why I said I'd watch it. You'd they continue watching it. They already have a stable that had a hive mind. It's not that far off, then, is it? So, have you got any more commentary, Mr. Point? Uh, that is all. So your feeble attempt to delay the Slammy Awards further was in vain. So. All right, so um, shall I shall I just go through the list of all of the Slammies uh, along with uh, with who won each uh, Slammy, and then we'll delve into it? Well, you go through them one at a time, and we'll talk about them. There are a few that we're going to spend more time on than others, but I think they all do deserve to be mentioned at least a little bit. All right, so let's just go through them in the order listed on WWE.com, because that's easy. Okay, First so. off, Superstar of the Year won by Seth Rollins. The nominees was were the entire roster. I don't think we can argue with that. This is this is the only Slammy where I'm like, yes, perfect, that was exactly the right choice. It's surprising to me that he won since he's been off TV for a month or so. Yeah, and that Roman Reigns is back on TV. You'd think they would just hand it to him again. Yeah, because there's no way he deserved it last year. There's no way he deserved it this year. Had he got it twice in a row, that would have been like another nail in the coffin of my wrestling viewership, at least. A couple more nails were put in with some of the other winners of these slummies, but not that one. Rollins uh, also got a rather nice pop when he when he came out. He did his promo very face-like well. promo too. I mean, I would not be surprised at all if Seth Rollins returns as a face when he returns. He should. I mean, he's done everything he could do as a heel, at least in WWE. He's won the title and then got bitched out by John Cena a whole bunch. So I I would say go with what the crowd wants to happen. Turn Roman heel and then bring Rollins back as a face to challenge him. And I mean, it seems right now like they need more faces, but the fact that Cena is coming back, and I'm sure by the time Rollins is back, maybe we'll have Orton then as well, and you know, he'll come back as a face. Oh, so, God, no. I think it would be a good story if Roman Reigns, like, uh, if Roman Reigns snapped, yada yada, turned heel, um, Cena wins the Rumble, Ro- Roman beats Cena at WrestleMania, Roman's on this unstoppable tear, and then Rollins comes back to, to stop him. Yeah, and then, like, Ambrose could be the unknown factor in all that because he doesn't know who to side with. He can't mm-hmm. trust Rollins for, you know, betraying the Shield, but he he's, you know, lost contact with his buddy Roman because he's gotten all wrapped up in himself and being the champion. That would be an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Which and is what they won't happen. do it. It won't yeah. happen. <laughs> There's no way they would what's do gonna ha- What's going to happen is... Rollins is going to come out and whine, like, I never lost the title, and everyone's going to act like he's a huge whiner for saying that, even though if it was a face saying that, he would be a justified hero. But he's going to come out, demand a title shot, and Roman will absolutely truck him, and that will be the end of it. Quite possible. Unless Roman maybe is injured at the time, and then it'll just be Cena that does it. But same result. So... What was the next Slammy Award? Uh, the next Slammy is the is one that I believe you guys will enjoy. 
Diva of the Year. One, of course, by Nikki Bella, beating out Paige, Charlotte, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. When this happened, the first thing I wrote down was, wrestling just died. Okay, I think you may be exaggerating a bit. Well, that the Divas was... Revolution is certainly dead. That okay, so such a blatant fuck you to everyone who has tried to make women's wrestling relevant again. Because, okay, Paige has been saying in character and out of character that the women's scene has needed a huge shakeup. It needs a break from the failed models and wrestlers' girlfriends being the main attraction of the show. Sasha Banks was in three of the greatest women's wrestling matches of all time this year. And who wins? John Cena's girlfriend, the one that everyone was sick of in the first place. Bullshit. And even if you're completely ignoring NXT, which they obviously were for the purposes of these awards, then on the main roster, people have made a huge splash this year. Mm -hmm. If not Paige, then certainly Charlotte was the one that came in and actually ended the Reign of Terror. So she's been presented as the face of the Divas Revolution right now. And that's a big thing. I'm I'm kind of disinclined to believe that Charlotte uh, deserves this because she has kind of just not done anything good since becoming champion. Well, okay, but what, what good has Nikki Bella done before or after losing the title? She started the Divas Revolution by creating an unstoppable team of Team Bella. No, no, fuck that. Fuck that. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I will say, though, I am really glad the NXT crowd were not represented here, because if Nikki Bella beat out Bailey, the ceiling of my room right now would look like a fucking Jackson Pollock painting. On the subject of Bailey, did you guys notice uh, a part of the crowd chanting uh, that horrible, horrible "Hey, we want some Bailey" chant on Raw? I heard the tune, but they had different words to it when I heard it. Well, they were, okay. it was originally "Hey, we want some New Day," oh. and then it got co-opted into "Hey, we want some Bailey." Okay, I I missed the New Day one. Um, I preferred the one they did in uh, in London, where they were like. Oh, oh, Bailey, I want to know, oh, oh, will you be my girl? I don't think American audiences are particularly musical, though, sadly. No, sadly, we wouldn't no. be able to pull that one off. Now, the um, only thing we can do is something, something. Yes. Um, I, I do wish that Sasha Banks had the, the opportunity to uh, to showcase her skills more on the main roster. You mean showcase them at all? That would be a good start. Oh, come on. She's had some good matches on Superstars. Her, her most, on Superstars. There's your point. Her most noteworthy exactly. contribution so far is being Team Bad Member. And that's it. Yeah. She really needs to break away from that little group and do something on her own. I think Oh, I come think on. You, you don't want her to display her unity? As entertaining, potentially, as that word is when spoken in a, a very high-pitched manner, I think, it's a, I think it's a small price to pay to get her away from the others. And I think it will happen eventually. I think she is going to get a chance to shine at some point when they're done with this whole Charlotte Page, Becky Lynch, bizarre 
conflicted moral compass thing that they're doing. I do feel like that is the eventual goal, like that they they're intentionally putting Sasha Banks on the back burner and trying to do another Daniel Bryan situation where they intentionally suppress giving the crowd what they want so when they finally do, they go nuts for it. Hopefully the crowd support continues to swell for Sasha Banks in the meantime. So, what was next up? Next up was Rivalry of the Year. In this category, The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar won, beating out Reigns versus Wyatt, Cena versus Rusev, Team Bella versus Team Bad versus PCB, and Orton versus Rollins. Yeah, given the competition, I'd go. I'd go with that. It, it wasn't a particularly amazing feud, but it did have multiple kicks to the Yambag region. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think um, any other feuds can boast that. I do feel that there are probably some other deserving rivalries this year uh, that were not even nominated, like. Uh, Rollins versus Reigns. I would go with Rollins and Ambrose, even. In fact, in fact, I would actually think that that, that uh, the either of those could have beaten Taker and Lesnar as rivalry of the year. Certainly didn't, wouldn't have hurt that you know they were actually on the show. It hasn't been a year of particularly strong feuds, has it? Not on the main roster. Certainly not. All right. Say, so, on NXT, the feuds have been fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, so next up, another controversial uh, slammy. Uh, the Usos win Tag Team of the Year, beating out The New Day, the Primetime Players, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, and the Lucha Dragons. That is an absolute joke. That is, that is, that again, is just insulting. They were out most of the year. I yeah, know. they were gone most of the year. And before they were gone, they were dead in the water. No one cares about the Usos. No one has ever cared about the Usos. No one ever will care about the Usos. <laughs> I think the it's New unfair Day... to say that no one cares about the Usos, no, but the em. New Day fuck. is definitely more compelling. The New Day have carried that entire division on their horns for the entire year. Division? They're carrying the entire show. Yeah, if not... The hottest act in the entire world of wrestling right now. And we're instead giving it to, again, two guys who are large and related to The Rock. What the fuck? Guys, we can't even tell apart. Still. Oh, come it's... on. I, 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 thought, uh, I thought they started, they sort of started wearing like red and blue to differentiate themselves. Yeah, but we don't know which is red and which is blue. Um, no, no. Uh, I, I think it was uh, Afterlife who came, up, who came up with the mnemonic. So you think that Jay would wear blue because blue Jay, but you're wrong. Jimmy wears the blue. So you have to go through that every time there's an ooze in the ring. Just yes. to figure out which one of them is. The commentators don't even learn which one's which. Every week there's like, what a move to the Uso. Or it's a flying Uso. They never specify which one because they know they'll get it wrong 50% of the time. <sighs> Anyways, uh, next up, Breakout Star of the Year was won by Neville, beating out Kevin Owens, Charlotte, Tyler Breeze, and Braun Strowman. Okay. Not as offensive as the tag. No, uh, this, one's, this one's a tough one for me, because, you know, I think 
Adrian Neville is an amazing wrestler. His matches are always good. I don't think I've seen a single move he's done that hasn't looked really nice. Like, his execution of moves is always spot on. Uh, he's, he's damn good at what he does. But the Slammies are a kayfabe award. And in kayfabe, Neville has not done anything. He's won a couple of exhibition matches, lost the King of the Ring to the easiest man in the world to defeat, and that's it. He hasn't won any titles. He hasn't beaten anyone of particular import. He's just the guy who does the cool flippy move. But he's got all the tools, Michael. He does, but they don't put him to use. Kevin Owens, on the other hand, defeated John Cena clean as a whistle on his first pay-per-view outing, and then destroyed the Intercontinental Champion, and he gets passed over? Seriously? So come on, Michael. He's the man that gravity forgot. Kevin Owens is definitely a bigger deal. Yeah. Or or as, hell. Or, as Santino called him, the man that gravity frequently neglects. Yeah, probably should have been Owens, but it's not that offensive that they would pick Neville. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I fucking love Adrian Neville. I, I wish they would give him something cool to work with. But just saying, hey, here's this guy who does a flippy move, he's a bigger deal than the guy who trucked John Cena, I don't buy it. Yeah, I feel like we would have whined about that result had it not been for Nikki Bella and the Usos picking up those slummies as well. So that, there's much more room for outrage in those categories. So, what else? Uh, next up is Match of the Year. This was won by The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar at Hell in a Cell. The other nominees were the Triple Threat at the Rumble, Cena versus Lesnar versus Rollins, uh, Sting versus Triple H at WrestleMania, Really? Cena, Cena versus Owens at Elimination Chamber, and Reigns versus Ziggler versus Owens versus Del Rio on Raw a couple months ago for the number one contendership before Rollins got injured. The result of this one isn't... I'm sure it's not particularly offensive to anyone because that was a really good match. Yeah, there were, there were strong I, candidates. I would have gone with... I would have gone with um, the Royal Rumble triple threat, but the Hell in a Cell match was really good. My choice is actually the Cena Owens match. That's a good choice too. The only the only match that really doesn't belong on there is Sting and Triple H, which was yeah. an embarrassing shit show. It what wasn't was it even doing? What was it doing there? I don't it know. Was somebody needed to jerk Triple H off. That was it. Triple H needed to stroke his ego. I had a match of the year candidate in twenty fifteen. Uh, uh, uh. Like Although the one thing I did like about that was that it forced them to show how they're going to deal with Hogan in these video packages when they're highlighting the matches, and obviously he was part of it. They said, DX, and had them all running down to the ring, and the New World Order, and then it just showed Hall and Nash like throwing punches, and there was no Hogan at all. I so, didn't even notice that. Yeah, I was looking out for that, so that was the one reason I'm, I'm not completely the match, was, the match was horrible. It made no sense. The fucking wrong person won, and it wasn't although, even. Although, although, uh, Werman, do admit it, you did mark out when the NWO came out during that. Yes, match. the 
the seeing DX fighting the NWO live was cool. That's it not a match. Been, it was, that yeah, been, it wasn't. That should have been either shocking return or OMG moment of the year, not match of the year. Yeah, that's. I I would totally be fine with uh, with that moment being in either of those categories. Yeah, but again, if we want to have if if the match okay, if this wasn't about jerking Triple H off, and it was about putting over Sting, then Sting versus Rollins would have been on the list because that yes. match was awesome until Sting got hurt. And even after Sting got hurt, motherfucker kept going. Was that the only Triple H match this year? Yeah. Has he had any others? Yeah, that, that explains, the only that explains why it's on there then. Yeah, because again, Triple H needs somebody to feed his ego. Unfortunately. All right. The next category was Double Cross of the Year. Uh, this was won by Damian Mizdow eliminating The Miz at the Honor the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Other nominees were John Stewart costing John Cena the U.S. title at SummerSlam, Randy Orton turning on Seth Rollins on Raw in March, Paige attacking Charlotte and Becky Lynch on Raw in October, and Stardust turning on Goldust on Raw in February. Because of the wording of the award, I think it was the wrong choice as the winner. Because I don't, yeah. con I don't consider it a double cross, but I think of all those, it was definitely the, a, a worthy moment of a slummy. I just don't think that a, a double cross is really the right way of putting it. Also, okay. I mean, Jon Stewart turning on Cena actually successfully had consequences. Like, Cena, or Stewart successfully kept Cena from winning the title. Yeah. Miz, or Sandow, turned on Miz, and then lost the fucking match anyway. Yes. It should have been his, his breakout moment regardless, but we know yeah, what instead it was like the that. last thing we've ever heard of him. Apart from those horrendous... Macho Man impressions. Oh, come on, you haven't seen him on Up, Up, Down, Down? I meant actually in a wrestling capacity. I know, I know. I'm kind of amazed he's still employed. I, I will be even more amazed if he makes it through uh, next year's spring cleaning session. And yes, uh, I just checked. Um, the, uh, the WrestleMania match this year was Triple H's only match since last June, and the first match Triple H has won since an April 2013 SmackDown. Dark match, sorry. Uh, so I guess WrestleMania two years ago was, was his previous win. Well then, that's why it was on the list. The only match of Triple H is available. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, next up, this is awesome moment of the year, won by The Rock and Ronda Rousey attacking the authority at WrestleMania 31. Um, other nominees were Brock Lesnar destroying J&J Security's Cadillac on Raw in July. Wasn't that Randy... the one where they, like, a fan got hit in the face with a car door? Yes. Randy Orton uh, RKOing Seth Rollins out of the air uh, off of a curb stomp at WrestleMania 31. Uh, during the Fatal 4-Way at Payback, the Shield powerbombing Orton through, through the announce table, and the start of the Divas Revolution. One thing I'll say off the bat, as it were, 
they're not allowed to show the curb stomp, but they're allowed to show him setting up the move for it to then be countered into something else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Okay. This one, again, is another, like, systemic problem with WWE. Their constant uh, need to put non-wrestlers over wrestlers. We have The Rock, who is not a wrestler anymore, and Ronda Rousey, who was never a wrestler, beating up an actual wrestler. And that was the most awesome moment of the year? Are you fucking kidding me? And you know what? I might have even... I might have even kept that. Like, I might have even been cool with it if... Ronda Rousey was still the unstoppable, undefeated beast. But now, you have to admit, her star value has significantly diminished. Although, we should judge that moment for how it was at the time, and not, um, shouldn't we? Sure, but, I mean, again, we're putting... We're putting the fact that WWE superstars aren't really stars over any actual wrestling that happened on your wrestling show. And that's fucked up. It's always fucked up, and it always will be fucked up. I think that's a a pretty fair assessment. It it was a big deal at the time, and it got a lot of coverage. So I I think they should probably have a category where it's just based on what kind of outside media coverage it garnered. So you would have, like, that incident, you would have the John Stewart screwing John Cena moment, things like that. Like, uh, you want to rephrase the... that? <laughs> no. Okay. Most socially active moment of the year. Yes, let's go with that. All right, uh, next category was the LOL moment of the year. Uh, won by R-Truth forgetting he was not in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, other nominees were The Miz's Niagara ad, Edge and Christian and The New Day having a kazoo versus trombone battle, uh, the WW Hall of Fame acceptance speech by the Bushwhackers, and The New Day dancing with the authority. I would say, okay, that I think may have been the only time ever that our truth has been legitimately funny. It was really funny. <laughs> no, I mean, it was brilliant. But at the other hand, on the other hand, Big E tried to eat Edge and Christian's kazoos. That is genius. I actually voted for the New Day Dancing with the Authority. Yeah, but you would have you would have given the Authority a slammy there point. Could you have really lived with yourself if that? Happened? It was more intended for the New Day. Yeah, but you know how they would have spun it. I suppose. Because the New Day can't win Tag Team of the Year. But when they're in a moment with Triple H, they can get on me for that. But no, no, you, you're right. I should I should have voted for Christian. So I think our truth it was a it was a fair win. It was the only time he's done anything of note this year. I think it's the only time he's been entertaining since his very brief, the the start of his heel run. I think just before it got really overrun with the little Jimmy stuff. It was it was quite entertaining back then. You mean when he was a good R-Truth? I'm not sure. Once he started bringing in all those silly phrases, it, it went downhill a bit. 
But there, uh, was a, there was a little period at the start where it was interesting, and you thought maybe that he was going to be something. Did, did you like when, like, when he, when he came out and like dressed as a Confederate soldier? I wasn't so keen on that. That was just weird. Like, I don't. I mean, it wasn't funny. I don't think it was particularly offensive, but it was fucking weird. What else? All right. Uh, let's see. We also have um, the OMG shocking moment of the year, won by Callisto as Salida del Sol threw a ladder off a ladder at TLC. Uh, other moments included Seth Rollins cashing in at WrestleMania, the Wyatt family uh, attacking and dragging away the Undertaker at Hell in a Cell, Brock Lesnar f5ing Michael Cole on Raw in March. I think that was that was that the night after WrestleMania. Yes, it was. Okay. And Michael Cole's shoe was just left in the ring. Uh, and Sheamus cashing in Money in the Bank uh, Survivor Series. I feel like for those of us that were actually at the Raw after WrestleMania, the Michael Cole being a 5 one should have won. Because during all the, the breaks that were around that point, we got to see like prone Michael Cole for like 25 minutes. <laughs> and that was quite amazing. <laughs> I didn't even notice when Byron's uh that, that like uh Byron Sexton was out there doing commentary because you know we didn't hear a commentary while we were at that raw. Yeah, you couldn't really see that the other commentators had been smushed. <laughs> they were smushed. They were, but I, th- I think for us personally, that one would be a worthy winner. But I think they were all quite worthy. All those uh, uh, nominees. I think I voted for uh, uh, for that one, Brock Lesnar, uh, F5 and Michael Cole, mainly because of, like, the shoe that was just left alone in the ring after that. I think Kalisto I, probably won just because it was last week. To be and it was pretty I, awesome. I would have, yeah, I mean, Kalisto had a great moment. Um, that, was a, that was a worthy one. I would have gone with Seth Rollins cashing in just because it was the move that saved WrestleMania. Yeah, can you imagine the mood of all of us coming out of WrestleMania if Roman Reigns had just won that match? What was that discussion that we had, Case, as that was happening? It was some, like, like can, can they do this? Who cares? It's happening. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, I remember, like, during the match, like, I was, tr- I was trying really hard to watch my language and watch, you know, my behavior because there were kids around me, and I didn't want to be that guy. And then Seth Rollins' what? music hit. No, 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 no. When when Roman Reigns kicked out the third F five, I just like instinctively just yelled out bullshit. I like the Iron Sheik. Yeah, and, and then like I was so just salty. And then Ro- and then Rollins' music hit, and like, oh my god, this is amazing. We're about to watch the greatest like. 11th hour rescuing of a disaster of a show. Alright, so next category. Uh, we get extreme moment of the year, uh, which was Roman Reigns levels the League of Nations and Triple H at TLC. I don't actually know how that's extreme, but anyways, uh, other uh, other nominees were Seth Rollins breaking John Cena's nose on Raw in July, The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar in that gigantic brawl they had on Raw in July, uh, Luke Harper powerbombing Dean Ambrose through a table at WrestleMania, and uh, Neville's uh, diving cross body off a ladder on Raw in June. 
I would have said this is where the Salido del Sol off the ladder should have won, but I guess... I agree. It was I guess extreme. we had to give Roman Reigns something. What's more extreme um, than being put through a ladder? Uh, apparently oh, beating up a whole bunch of hapless dorks. I, I, I mean, I think I think this one should have been won by either that Callisto Salida del Sol or, you know, breaking John Cena's nose, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is kind of a big deal. It's like, I just, I shattered your face and it wasn't even a hardcore match. Although the extremity was lessened slightly by the fact he went on to lose the match after breaking Cena's nose. Yeah. Um... So let's see. Uh, next up was surprise return of the year, won by Sting replacing Seth Rollins' statue um, on Raw in August. Other nominees included Chris Jericho teaming with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose at Night of Champions, the Dudleys returning on Raw in August, uh, the return of Del Rio with Zeb Coulter at Hell in a Cell, and the return of the Demon Kane. Uh, attacking Seth Rollins at Night of Champions, preventing Sheamus's cash-in. I think Sting being the, in place of the statue is probably the best, just because it wasn't Cena in there. And that's what we were all expecting, I, I seem to recall. So the fact that it was Sting, not only was it, oh my god, Sting's back, but it's, oh my god, it's someone that isn't John Cena, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a double whammy. So that one does it for me. I don't. I don't remember what I voted for for this one, but I do remember it was not Sting. Jericho coming back. Is, we've got a bit tired of that now. He does it. He does it every few months, and you know he's just coming back to to get pinned by somebody, <laughs> and then he's leaving again. So. Hey, when's the last time Jericho won a match? He did beat um, Bray Wyatt, and then lost. Yeah, what did he just month. pointlessly beat Bray Wyatt? Right. Now, um, before we go into the internet, uh, uh, sorry, the categories that were uh, that were announced like on um, on the pre-show or WWE.com, uh, I'd like to discuss for a moment the general lack of availability of the winners here. Like Brock Lesnar won a Slammy, wasn't there. The Rock won a Slammy, wasn't there. Sting won a Slammy, wasn't there. Our truth when Islami was there, but didn't they didn't let him accept it? Yeah. Apparently, he actually got it back. You would think that like they would wait until they were in a location like New York or L.A. or something where there's a significant chance that the important people are going to be there. Well, they were very close to Lesnar country, weren't they? Uh, they were in his home state. Yes. So you would think it wouldn't be that difficult to just get him to make an appearance on that show. Even if it's just to come out and say, I don't care about awards, and that's it. Like, if that's all so, he said. So if, if, if WWE is truthful about the fan voting being legitimate, I can understand how they would not want to fly out these big stars just for the possibility of them not winning. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, everybody knows it's not. The Usos beating the New Day for Tag Team of the Year? Are you fucking kidding me? Nikki Bella beating out any of the Divas? I can... Okay, I can... Are you... Okay, okay. Last year, Roman Reigns beating Daniel Bryan for Superstar of the Year. 
there is no fucking way the Slammies aren't rigged. <laughs> there may be one or two categories that they allow to actually mm-hmm. go to the people, and there may be others that they don't, or they look at the result and think, well, that's not quite the one we want, so let's just take a couple of zeros off that one, add them onto this guy, and there like, we go. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, like, Breakout Star of the Year was not rigged, because, like, Neville came out, and his speech was like, oh, uh, I won. I thought Kevin Owens would be out here. Yeah, that's well, that's one I could see them accepting as a, mm-hmm. as a genuine result, because Superstar of the Year is supposed to be a big deal. So I yes. imagine that's generally not left down to the, the fickle public who could potentially vote in Heath Slater as the winner. He got number eight. There was that one year everyone voted for Stevie Richards, wasn't there? Or Val Venus or somebody like that was voted up really high on some some award or other or to challenge for a championship. And they they got almost to the top of the votes. That was probably on like Cyber Sunday or something like that. It probably was. Back when they still did that. But they've learned their lesson. They... They trust the people to an extent, but they have to be there to make the final call on something if the people get it, what they deem is wildly wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, another thing I would like to discuss is just the general misuse of what they're doing with the slam- with the Slammy winners. Okay, so like, Neville wins Breakout Star of the Year. Later that night, he's tapping out. What the fuck? Well, you could use the Slammy Awards as part of storylines. Uh-huh. Like, if our truth has one, suddenly he thinks he's a big superstar, not caring that it's like just the the lull moment of the year, but he actually acts like it's a big deal and that you've got a bit of character development for him. You could have maybe Kalisto, who thinks, well, I won this award doing this crazy moment. Maybe that's what people expect of me now. I have to do more and more ridiculous, high-risk things, and it eventually ends up costing him. And then I'm not going to say you have to turn him on the fans, but maybe if things start going sour for him, he could point back to that moment where the people voted for him to win that slummy, and it caused him to kind of lose his mind and get off track. You could do a lot of things with those awards, but once they're in the guy's hand and they walk off the stage... It's almost like it doesn't exist anymore, and they're just back to whatever meaningless position they were in before. They don't build okay. anything from it. So I'm going through the list of winners. The only winner of all of the Slammies who both had a match this week and won their first match after getting a Slammy was the Usos. Are you surprised? I wish I wasn't. It's sad. They're, they're, they're the corporately mandated big thing of the tag division, so of course they look great. Of course they get the award and beat everyone's ass. It's... The only time I can remember anyone actually making use of a Slammy in recent memory was when the Miz kind of took the Slammy away from Mizdow and paraded it around as his own, almost. He also took that slammy away from Angry Miz Girl. Yes. So there's a, a, there's potential to have an award show and make it mean something and build but, it into the storylines a bit, but they just don't. They never do. It's it's always just Vince and Kevin Dunn and Triple H and Stephanie going, fuck what you want, here's what we want. 
Do you think that's going to replace then now forever? It might as well. <sighs> All right. So now let's move on to the uh, to the categories that uh, did that, that did not receive air to or actually no, a couple of these did. Um, but the next one, regardless, is the best John Cena U.S. Open challenge. John Cena has his own slammy. Hey, 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 hey. This, okay, John Cena's open challenges were some of the best matches on Raw throughout the year. They were, but, I mean, come the fuck on. But, hey, congratulations, you had a match with John Cena. Here's a Slammy Award. Okay, I am totally fine with the existence, existence of this category. I am not. Okay. So, the winner of this category was Cesaro for his match in July on Raw. The other nominees were Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Dean Ambrose, and Neville. I think that's a fair result. Um, I am a little surprised that Sami Zayn didn't win this one, but I am totally fine with Cesaro winning it. But it is the public voting on it, and that's probably not rigged. So Sami Zayn is not really in the, the mainstream consciousness. Also, a little surprised. Um, also, what, what kind of expected would expect that if not uh, if not Zane, then Neville would uh, would win because uh, wasn't his match the one where he he almost won if not for Rusev's interference? Yes, mm-hmm. but I think people wanted to vote for Cesaro for something, and I think That's that, very was, fair. that was their opportunity. That's fair. Um, okay, next up. Was I think is the last one that we're that we're covering that was uh, actually on the show, and that was the Hero in Us All Award for uh, for you know giving back to the community, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This was won by uh, by John Cena, with other nominees being Natalia, The Big Show, Roman Reigns, Stephanie McMahon, and Titus O'Neil. You would think it would be Titus, wouldn't you? With all well, the... I mean, I would expect it, I expect it would be either Cena or Titus. It, I mean, it, it had to be Cena, because who the fuck else are they going to pick? I mean, I mean, really. If, like, if, I would say if this was one of the like pre-show internet-voted categories, Titus would have won, but since it was one of the app-voted categories, Cena wins. Yeah, no, this was, this was let's everybody suck Cena's dick to show how great of a person he is. Do you have to put things so crudely? Yes. Okay. Because this show, this show, just like... We do have an explicit tag on iTunes. And it's well-deserved. Apparently. I think it's mainly down to that one episode every three months that Afterlife is on. So do you only mark explicit episodes that, that Afterlife is on? I think it just tags the entire series, unfortunately. Okay. Um, next up is Hashtag of the Year, which was won by Suplex City, uh, beating out Give Divas a Chance, Save the Tables, Axelmania, and RKO Out of Nowhere. I think in t- I think terms of fair. wrestling, I mean... yeah, Suplex City was a pretty big deal. RKO Out of Nowhere, though, kind of transcended wrestling and got into... Just general internet mm-hmm. meme image, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, I would that's say kind if, of, if, if that's if kind of been a category, then RKO out of nowhere would have won that one. Yeah. Although I think RKO out of nowhere has been supplanted by like the John Cena Rick roll. 
John Cena's theme song is making its way into many things. Yeah, the whole yes, it is. and his name is John Cena meme is quite infamous at the moment. I think Axelmania is a little bit underappreciated because that was fun. That was fun until until they turned it into a whole like let's just have him impersonate Hulk Hogan and then have him get beaten up by Hulk Hogan. And then now that we can't say that Hulk Hogan exists, Curtis Axel doesn't exist. I noticed that they didn't have like cancel WWE Network as a nominee <laughs> hashtag of the year. Really? Also, I mean, does it? Does anyone else like feel like it's incredibly lame that this like billion-dollar publicly traded global company? run by a stodgy old white billionaire is trying to use, like, you know, hip social media language for all their awards, like, OMG and LOL and hashtag of the year. It's like... I am going to refute your categorization of LOL and OMG as hip new words. Okay, but you know what I mean. It's, it's words that the kids are saying. <laughs> like, it, just, it just feels like if this was like 15 years ago it would have been like the word up playa award or some shit like that the teddy long awards basically yeah alright uh, next up is the celebrity moment of the year this uh, should have been Ronda Rousey on the rock sorry um I'm actually totally fine, fine with the winner of this category, which was Stephen Amell uh, versus Stardust at SummerSlam. Well, it was Stephen Amell and Neville against Stardust. Well, right sorry, there, the, the moment was Stephen Amell doing a diving crossbody onto Stardust. Okay. Uh, the other moments were the cast of Entourage introducing Zack Ryder for his U.S. Open Challenge in May on Raw. Kevin Owens powerbombing Machine Gun Kelly off the stage on Raw in June. Jon Stewart interfering in John Cena's SummerSlam match versus uh, Seth Rollins. And Wayne Rooney slapping King Barrett on Raw in November. Okay, first and foremost, Machine Gun Kelly is not a celebrity. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck about Machine Gun Kelly. Until he inevitably shows up on WWE again, I'm going to assume that Kevin Owens killed him. Okay. Let's go ahead and, and, and safely assume that. Yes, I think there are an awful lot of celebrity moments in WWE, as we know. Most of them aren't award-worthy by any means. And none of them really stood out from that list for me, really. Um... Like I said, I'm totally fine with Stephen Amell winning this. Of that list, I think uh, it is the most deserving nominee. Yeah, he did yeah I mean, he actually he actually did hold his own in that match. I thought uh, it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, uh, coming up next, our penultimate category, the tell-me-you-didn't-just-say-that moment of the year. Uh, this was won by Brock Lesnar, uh, coining the phrase Suplex City at WrestleMania. Other nominees included Dean Ambrose calling Seth Rollins Justin Bieber on Raw in May. Seth Rollins calling Johnny Manziel Johnny Idiot Face. I don't even know who the hell this is on Raw in June. Football player. Okay. 
Uh, Seth Rollins insulting Kane while celebrating the Authority's WrestleMania wins on Raw in April. And Paige spoiling Charlotte's Divas Championship celebration on Raw in September. Well, I wanted to vote vote for the whole tater tot segment. But unfortunately, that wasn't among them. Okay. This is so fucking lame. Like, okay, first of all, if we're going to go with the, oh, God, I can't believe they said that on TV, you would think it would have been Paige, you know, making fun of Charlotte's dead brother. I think they might be trying to not bring that up again. Okay, if you're going to have an award based entirely around I cannot believe they crossed that line, oh, haha, he looks like Justin Bieber, is not anywhere in the same ballpark as haha, your brother's dead. Not to mention that. Not to mention, the award that won, they cut out the part of the line that made it popular. You mean bitch? Yeah. Because it was such just a ridiculous meathead thing to say. Uh, and the final category, um, the final slammy was Best Original WWE Network Show. And the winner for the Best Original WWE Network Show was the Stone Cold Podcast. Yes, that WWE Network Original. They really innovated that one, didn't they? Yes. Uh, that beat out the other nominees of Breaking Ground, Table for Three, WWE 24, and Swerved. Okay, Breaking it, Ground really list? should have won that one. Why is the Stone Cold podcast on that list? I don't know. Are they just yeah, downplaying the fact it existed before the network? I really have no idea why this was even nominated, let alone one. It's fucking baffling. I mean, okay, by all rights, it should have been Breaking Ground. I think by a long shot. Or NXT. Breaking okay. Ground did bring us the Yeti. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, I would, okay, NXT, sure, but I think they were talking about, like, not directly involving wrestling. Sure. But yeah, Breaking for, Ground yeah, should have won. Yeah, table for Three is great. I love Table for Three, but... Um, it is a completely outside of kayfabe, and I don't think they would be cool with that. Yeah. I do find it ridiculous that the Stone Cold Podcast was even nominated for this. Yeah, that's, that is just moronic. The best original show is a show that isn't an original show. If you, I mean, have... if you just take out the word original and just say best WWE Network show, then I, okay, I'd be fine with that. If you're going to have a maybe most hard-hitting question of the year award, then maybe you could put some some of the questions Stone Cold has asked in there. Like about China and the Hall of Fame? Yeah, although, again, hard-hitting questions aren't things that they want to mention again on their programming, I imagine. Yeah. So, all in all, the Slammies, as usual, at best it's cringeworthy, at worst it's infuriating. There. Yeah. So it's it's really like it's modern wrestling just encompassed in one night, really, isn't it? Well, no, because there are bits of modern wrestling that I actually really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose I suppose there's nothing really you get in the slummies that you you could describe as something that you really like. Well, on the subject of inevitable annual award shows, 
uh, I suppose we should announce that we will be doing our own Yambag Awards on our first episode of 2016. Uh, discussing the year of 2015, um, and that will be our January 6th show. It's the glorious return of the Yambag Awards. So after, that is two weeks hence. After an extended hiatus. Yeah, though... Uh, okay, I'm not even going to say it. Yeah. I'm sure, I don't know what you were going to say, but I'm sure it was full of Yambaggery. Yes. So, on that note, I believe we have run out of things to talk about for this week in wrestling, which was quite a slow week, but it presents us with a lot of topics because of all the Slammy Awards. But, mm -hmm. Mr. Point, I think all that remains is for you to give us your words of social media wisdom. Yes. <clears throat> As ever and always, I would, would like to do a quick shout-out to our friends over at the Game Buoy video game podcast, your stop for left-of-center gaming news and views. We also invite you to give us your thoughts Suggest talking points of your own and tell us what you thought of the week in wrestling by posting comments on this video, by tweeting at us at Tables Ladders, or by replying to our posts on Facebook. We also ask that you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and share our posts, rate us and subscribe on iTunes, and shop on Amazon.com using our affiliate link. All of these links can be found on our Podbean page, tablesladderspodcast.podbean.com. I'd also like to say that there's been a, a slight boost in our viewership tonight, and I'm going to put that down entirely to the hat. And oh. Notes, TLP, everybody. TLP, everybody. TLP to you all, and to all a good night. You're talking about this week in wrestling, because it was terrible unless it was great. This is Tables, Ladders, and Podcast. It's TLP. Peace.